week on the Recruit Lux, the job board world is struggling. It just got harder for Ontario staffing firms. And direct applications versus sourcing one of these were not using enough. Plus, the top 10 skills recruiters will need in 2024. TRF with my dad and Shelly starts out with this message from Van Ham. Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely. Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry. Well, hold on to your hat here because that's exactly what Van Hack has done. Shelly, picture this. A closed community of pre-verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true? Well, not anymore. Van Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process. And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams listen up. VanHack's introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and VanHack handles all the nitty-gritty details of immigration and relocation. So can you imagine, Serge, the applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table? Shelly, every time I walk into an office, I get applause. But that's not all. The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate, and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, Van Hack is leading the charge. Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out vanhack.com today. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, you like my tan? I look pretty sexy. I'm so jealous. Oh my goodness. You look very healthy. You're not like super, super tanned, you know, like somebody's been out on the beach. To your point. I am very conscious of wearing a lot of sunscreen because I'm getting to the age that wrinkles are starting to show up and sunscreen can definitely help that because after being in Florida for a couple of weeks and seeing the older generation quite a bit, there is a lot of sun damage and the sun is Mm. so much hotter than it is here, or at least it feels hotter. And then the last time we were in Florida, the girls, like we put a lot of sunscreen. They have really like light skin mm-hmm. and they burnt like one of our daughters. She was like bleeding from her burns Aww. like where it scarred over, even though like my wife is extremely diligent when it comes to sunscreen bre- being British. Maybe that's. Yeah. And I have naturally pretty dark skin. So a nice little tan makes you feel good. In November. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I look great. I look great. How have you been? What's new in your world? I don't have much new to report other than we're working on a lot of exciting things that I know we can't talk about. So it's hard because you ask me what's new and I've got so much going on. It's the duck on the pond where their little feet are going 100 miles an hour, but everything else on the surface is just really chill. 
one of the things that I noticed while in Florida is such a difference between Canada when it comes to worker safety, because uh, as I told you last year, where my parents-in-law live, yeah. they live in a community that has houses and condos and a lot of the roofs were damaged. So they're replacing all the roofs. Mm-hmm. And I came in and I'm looking at the roof and it's five floors and there's a bunch of workers with no safety harness, just like Get running out. around. Oh my and God. then I told that to my father-in-law. He's like, someone died last week from falling on one of the roofs. Oh, I'm like, no. someone died. And this week you've got all the workers with no harness. Maybe there was one or two with harness, but the majority didn't. It's definitely the mantra in the US that I've heard, like live free or die is true. You see it even when you're driving down the road, people are driving like 200 miles an hour. It feels like just weaving into traffic. The trucks that are carrying loads don't even have strapping around it. It was really eye-opening. That surprises me because I would have thought the opposite. If you're going to have workers on your property, like if they fell off your roof, then whose insurance pays for it? And you know, Americans love to sue. So (laughs) I honestly, it, it would be inviting a lawsuit. So I'm surprised to hear that. Yes. And I'll tell you, 90% of the billboards on the highway in Florida are lawyers. (laughs) I've never seen so many lawyer billboards in my life. So to your point, it's interesting, but there must be a different law that covers them. I don't know how they would allow this, but welcome to the I don't get it. I don't get it. Frightening. Shelly, do you want to jump into the news? Sure. So it was in the news this week that Apple agreed to pay 25 million USD over an issue connected to their recruiting of immigrants into the US. Let me give you a little bit of background. The Department of Justice said that Apple did not recruit US citizens or permanent residents for jobs that were eligible for a federal program, um, allowing the employer to sponsor immigrant workers for green cards. And do you know what they did? In order to get around this, like they did follow the requirements of this program, but they said, if you want to apply, you have to send in a paper application. This is Hmm. Apple. Hmm. So don't tell me if you're in talent acquisition, that is your workaround because nobody in America is going to send in a paper application of all companies in the whole world. Apple? Oh my God, they are so busted. So busted. So they said, oh gosh, sorry, we'll fix that and paid their what's 25 million US to Apple. But I just cracked right up when I read this. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, they got hit with a fine, but I'm sure it's such a small amount for a company that big. So what type of roles? I'm just a little shocked by this? Is it the Apple stores or what type of roles? No, these would be tech workers. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. These would be tech workers. So much cheaper to bring in someone who is on a work permit and wanting to come to the US. In fact, the article went on to say that a lot of workers would lower their expectation because they saw it as a trade-off. If I can get a green card in four years, I'll take the lower wages. Not cool, Apple. Not cool no, at all. you're so busted. So, Shelly, we're getting close to the Christmas season, and this mm-hmm. is a very busy time for hiring. Usually starts in October and all the way to December as we get into the Christmas rush. 
recent report came out from Brendan Bernard, who is the Canadian chief economist here mm-hmm. at Indeed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's more job seekers, but there is way less jobs being posted. And they're saying around 30% less jobs that are holiday type jobs. What do you think is happening? It's just the economy is slowing down? No, not at all. In fact, I think what we have enjoyed the last two years was an unusual increase in job posting and advertising. The article, Bernard did comment, and it was at the very end of the article, he did comment to say that it's still elevated compared to where things were in 2019. So I think what we've seen was with COVID, there's a lot of people who said, oh, no, I'm not doing that job. I'm not going to go work at a busy retail store. So as we started to come out of those years, employers really had to step up their game. So they were heavy on the advertising because people who had previously been conditioned to go work seasonal, which is the 15 to 24-year-olds, their parents were going, oh, no, you can stay home (laughs) rent-free. Don't be going out because then we can't have Christmas together and grandma can't come over. And also think about a 24-year-old in 2019 because it's really just that age group, the 15 to 24. So a 15-year-old would have been 11 when COVID first hit. So I believe we're just coming back to workers now being more abundant to apply to those seasonal jobs, which are drivers. And of course, retail workers. Yeah, well, I, I was wondering because obviously your daughter works in retail. And I was just curious yep. as we're getting into the middle of November, is she getting more shifts? Is it busier mm-hmm. in the malls? What is she hearing being on the front line of retail right now? Yeah, so they do their staffing for the Christmas season. They start in September mm, so yeah. that their staff are all trained up and they start receiving stock like it's bananas how much stock comes in. Oh my God. So there's certainly an increase in deliveries and drivers leading up to Black Friday. And from there on out, it's uh, all hands on deck. No, I haven't been to a mall in a while. I'm just curious to see how busy it is and how many are understaff or is that Mm -hmm. even a challenge that they're going through right now? But on that note, Indeed also came out with their latest earnings and they are seeing a dramatic decrease as we've talked about so many times throughout the year. So they're trending around that 31%, which is very similar to what ZipRecruiter is seeing right now. Even though ZipRecruiter is in a position that they're profitable, but they've been down five quarters in a row and their stock is down to $11. And I just like saying that because I know you bought in at 23. So every time I see it down, I'm like, let me add that into the news segment because I'm sure Shelly will love to hear that. But again, it's a trend that we've seen with all the job boards this year. There's definitely a decrease of jobs being posted. There's a lot more job seekers, which we're seeing every job board report. Hey, we're getting a ton more traffic. It's because there is a lot more job seekers looking for jobs. There is less jobs being advertised or at least advertised on job sites. These employers and career sites are more popular right now because it's free first of all, for the employer, and they're getting enough candidates that they don't feel the need to go advertise their job as much. So we're going to keep an eye on our friends at ZipRecruiter and Indeed. No surprise, boat down, but this has been the trend throughout the whole year. Closer to home, there's uh, been some recent legislation that has just been passed in Ontario, which 
quite honestly, I'm happy to hear about, but it specifically impacts our friends that are in the staffing industry. So these would be companies who are involved in temporary help or what we call staffing agencies and their recruiters. Although the majority of these types of firms in Ontario are compliant with the rules and inspections by the ministry, there's a lot of shady players out there. Mm. And what they have consistently found is that firms in Ontario were charging fees, illegal fees to candidates and paying people below minimum wage and denying them like basic employment rights. This law has been passed that they will require to be licensed. This is as of January 1st, 2024. They have to pay a $750 application fee for the license and they have to be able to put up $25,000 letters of credit that the government could access if needed to cover wages owed to employees. So big move in Ontario. What's your first impression on this, Serge? There's a couple of things that I think of. I know a lot of recruiters that just start different firms and they do really well. They're very ethical. And if you look at $750, that's not a big deal, but a $25,000 letter of credit, that could be a bigger deal for a lot of recruiters. But as you mentioned, there is so many bad players that a barrier mm-hmm. of entry into this space I don't think is a negative. And I think we're going to see this across the country. I don't know what the laws are in the US, but I know in Canada, it's not that heavily regulated. So I think this is good. Initially, I'm like, ah, it's just another cash grab or a way to create unnecessary regulation. But I don't think this is the case. I think we will see this across the country. As we've said before, Ontario is really the bellwetter when it comes to these types of things. If they Mm -hmm. implement something, we usually see it across the country. But there is horror stories out there, Shelly, and it's scary. So good. Let's do it. I think it's good. Well, and I think they actually moved the date, right? Because initially it was supposed to be earlier. Was it supposed to be January 1st? And now they've moved it to July 1st, 2024? They have. You have until then to get a license, but it didn't change when it comes into effect. So they're not going to start policing it until after July 1st, 2024. And that was due to some advocacy on behalf of the Industry Association in Ontario for temporary staffing. Suki Sodhai, are you familiar with her? I am familiar. I've not heard of her before. So I did have to look her up. But she has been very active as a representative for the industry to the Minister of Labor and Immigration in Ontario. So thank you, Suki. Yes, Shelley, we are very passionate about pay transparency, something Mm -hmm. that we've been talking for a long time because we Mm -hmm. feel it's the best way to get to pay equality. And we talked last week about Ontario jumping in and enacting a pay transparency law. Our friends in British Columbia is implementing Pay Transparency Act starting November 1st, 2023, and it applies to all employers in BC. So it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, Right now, they're not legislating or putting guidelines around what that range is. So you can go twenty to 40000 It's still not clear cut, but I think that will get tightened up after they see examples of $1 to $600,000 in pay ranges. 
But again, just doing some research before and looking at the province that have enacted and it's not being monitored. Like I just looked at Newfoundland and Labrador, which has a law, I would say 50% of the jobs, PEI, mm-hmm. obviously Ontario is going to be a little bit later. So I guess we'll have to keep a close eye if this is actually going to be police. But either way, I think this is really positive. I think it's starting a conversation that we will see it across every province and we will see it across every state in the US and Europe. I think this train is well on its way and there's no turning back. It'll be interesting to see what the data shows a couple of years from now. Where Mm -hmm. are we in pay equality? Is there a closure of the gender pay gap? If not, I will be shocked. But What's your thoughts here? Were you surprised that BC moved this quickly to get this enacted? I was so proud of them. BC's law was founded on research, and the research showed that women in British Columbia are paid 17% less than men for doing the same job. So armed with that sort of research and information, the law did get passed and moved through. It will take time, like for what you're seeing in PEI and Newfoundland Labrador, it takes time for employers to even be aware of this because, you know, you're assuming that companies are always hiring, but they're not, right? They may have not posted an opening or a position in a year and they're not aware. So I, I don't know whether it's a case of just not being policed or being a little more lenient because I don't know what sort of marketing they've done to employers. Like it, it's the employer's responsibility to know what the law is. It's like speeding through a school zone and saying, I didn't see the sign. It's still mm-hmm. not an excuse. It is an employer's responsibility to know what the law is. And not a lot of employers think to check, oh, before we post a job, let's just see if the law changed. <laughs> yeah. So I think there is a grace period before there's any fines or penalties. Well, I think it's just naturally happening right now because uh, Indeed came out with their latest data saying 51% of jobs posted on Indeed have a a wage transparency. It's just the expectation we're going to see it in every job posted. So I'm happy to hear it. I hope that next week we have another province joining the fray. We'll see. Maybe I'll make the prediction. Uh, I guess we have a prediction show coming up. Yes. Uh, that by the end of next year, all of Canada will have some type of legislation around this. There's a few provinces dragging their feet, but the most part, I think over half for sure. Oh, well, Alberta and Saskatchewan will be the last ones. We know that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're right. We will. They'll drag us along kicking and screaming. Are you ready for the tip of the week, Shelly? Yes. Serge, I was thinking a lot about recruiting events. And I think for the most part, if they're done well, they can be a success. And so I just wanted to share some of the things that you should think about before you take your company into one of these live in-person recruiting events. And it starts with, first of all, have a goal in mind. How many people do you need to hire to make this recruiting event, in your mind, a success? The second thing is bring your hiring manager with you. Quite honestly, most candidates that go to these hiring events or recruiting events, I should say, because they're recruiting events, different than a hiring event you're there to interview. Recruiting event is getting candidates to come and talk to you. And put your hiring manager front and center. Get them out in front talking to job seekers that are coming by. And have the technology in place for someone to follow up. 
whether it's a QR code, something that is quick and easy, because that's the biggest fail for recruiting events is you talk to someone and then you've got nothing. What, did they leave you a paper resume? Come on, nobody leaves a paper resume. And what are you going to do with it? Are you going to manually type it in? (laughs) No. So have some technology in place and make sure everybody that goes to these recruiting events, whether it's the recruiters or people from the business or your hiring managers, make sure everybody knows what are we looking for and what do we need in order to call this a success. Have a plan, work the plan and be prepared. That is my tip of the week. Yes, hiring event and recruiting events are the same to me because at the end of the day, you want to hire someone, right? I treat them separately than job fairs because job fairs, you're there with a hundred different competitors, which I guess your advice would apply for both. I guess just my bias that I just hate job fairs. Not a fan of attending them. Really good tip of the week. How about now we jump into the recruiting insights? All right. So, search. As soon as I saw this next piece, I'm like, I can't wait to show you this. It is a a point of view interview type article that was on Business Insider. So they've got this recruiter at Meta. And these are the top perks that tech workers want and some that they don't even care about. So this is a tech recruiter for Meta who lives in Toronto, has been with them for six years, I think been recruiting for them. And so what was interesting, I read through this list, and it it was kind of a little bit of a self serving advertisement for meta, not that they need it. But I'm reading through this. And of the top 10 perks that meta provides, number six is four months of maternity and paternity leave. I'm like, they're patting themselves on the back over four months. Yeah. Well, The paternity of four months is quite impressive. Not a lot of companies actually do that. I'm looking at at a male perspective here. Four months is more than most organization would give dads for any type of paternity leave, right? It's pretty big. There's a couple things reading through this article uh, that is different than most companies, but maybe not fang companies like. Apple, Meta, Amazon. One of the things that I thought was interesting is the freedom to choose job roles. So software engineers and Meta undergo an eight-week boot camp where they can choose their preferred job roles. Mm -hmm. You have to have a massive amount of roles to be able to do that. That's just not the reality for most companies, right? I mean, like, hey, choose your job. And literally, there's one software developer role in the whole company, or there's 10. The other one is the relocation assistance. So Meta provides comprehensive relocation assistance for employees and their families. I don't know what that meant because every company that I work with, if they're asking you to move to a different part of the country or a different office, they're fairly aggressive in those relocation packages. So I don't know if it's that strong, but man, what was your thoughts there? What have you seen in relocation packages? There's two things to think about. Like the whole purpose of this article was her as a recruiter. So I took it in context of relocation when you have hired somebody for a job in Phoenix and they currently live in, I don't know, Florida. 
right? So if you've hired somebody that lives there and you're willing to relocate them, they're using relocation services. Mm. So what that said to me was that they're using a professional organization who does all the flights and moving your household goods and making sure your kids are registered in schools and that you're in a neighborhood that is similar to the one you left, whatever city you're leaving, right? And that's pretty fancy. That is pretty fancy. Only the largest companies would offer something like that. So if you've got that in your toolkit as a recruiter, it just lowers that objection barrier. Doesn't it go to what we talked about last week, though? If you're a recruiter at Meta, are you really? Are you really a recruiter? Like you're just a kind of in the middle type person because it's not a really hard job. Like you're not a pure sourcer recruiter, which jumps into our next recruiting insight. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you the question, Shelly. Where do you think most of the candidates are coming from? Do you think candidates are coming from applications on job boards, career sites? Or are they mostly coming from direct sourcing? So a recruiter reaching out and getting that person to apply to the company. Where do you think that lies? Do you know, I would have hoped that by the end of 2023, we would be able to say that companies recognize the value of sourcing, but we're not. To sit around and wait for someone to reach out to you, you know what? You probably go gray because for most people that never happens. It's really that top 10% of companies who have matured to a point where they see sourcing as a good investment, because whatever industry they're in, you will never stop needing a very high demand, low availability skill. So companies that invest in sourcing, they see the value. But I think for the most part, most organizations are still stuck back in 2013, not 2023, where You just put your job up and and wait for somebody to apply. And honestly, even going back to 2013, that was very much the case. Most companies did not invest in having sourcers, people who are always reaching out to candidates and developing relationships and knowing that just because you're not ready to make a move now, you will sometime in the next five years. Yeah. So there was an article featured in Recruiting Brain Food this week that talks uh, directly about it. So it's a research done by Cord.co. And I I guess they release these every year. And there was a couple of findings in there that I thought were interesting because my assumption, to be honest, is the majority is through applications. Because First of all, the minute that the economy gets tough, there is way less recruiters. And you know how time-consuming, and I'm not saying this is a negative, but it's actually a lot of work to find the right candidate, reach out with a really enticing message, have that conversation, compared to just putting an ad out, putting a little bit of budget behind it, and getting a lot of applications. I think we can both agree that your chance of getting a really high quality candidate is better through sourcing directly mm-hmm. reaching out. And what I'm surprised is it's still not being taken advantage of because it's so minimal of how many messages are being sent out. And the response rate in this type of economy, you're getting better quality if you are sourcing candidates. But I don't think that will change because Obviously, there's a lot of technology now that can Mm -hmm. facilitate this for us. Think about just 
people we've had on the show that we've talked to, like Rollbot, Find Them. There is so many great technology that seek out that can actually assist you in getting to the right candidate that is fitting the job. But we're still, I don't want to say we're lazy. It's just so much easier to just post a job and whoever applies and we say, hey, we hired the best candidate. Yeah. Yeah. But did you really hire the best person is the question that I'll ask to anyone when you say we only hire the best people. Then when you ask, what is your strategy to reach out or to get those candidates? Is well, oh, we posted on this job board and these were the best candidates that we could get. Well, are you really getting the best candidate? There is not a lot of company sourcing, according to this report. If you are sourcing candidates and sending them message and trying to reach out directly, you've got an advantage. On that note, let's yes. go into the next recruiting insight because okay. we talk about this all the time. But you know what? Because our audience is recruiters, the mm-hmm. majority of them, we want to keep them informed on what are the skills that you're going to need going into 2024. So mm-hmm. our friend, uh, Yan Tex, who's been on the show several times, had a really good article. And I'm going to go through the 10 quickly through them. One that should not be surprised is, and this goes exactly to what we talked about with the new tools coming about. Being tech proficient is absolutely critical. We've said this, AI will not replace recruiters, but AI will replace recruiters that don't use AI. And I think the reality of that is going to become even more. Then there's a bunch of what I I call kind of bullshit that we talk about all the time. So emotional intelligence, you have to have some EQ in every job that you're doing. So that hasn't changed. But one that is a challenge for most recruiters, and I don't blame recruiters, I blame how they're structured or how much workload they do have, is candidate relationship management. You should be very active in two aspects, your hiring managers and your candidates. The rest, there is now tools that can manage your interview scheduling, your job description creation, all all of that shit can be done now. Then there's a couple ones that we know, marketing skills. Yeah, absolutely. You should know a little bit about marketing, what the fundamentals are, because we are marketers as recruiters. And the one that we don't do a good job at, and I realized this when I first went into the tech industry, is specialized knowledge. Do we spend enough time really understanding our business? If you're in tech, Understanding what that software developer or what the QA person does on a day-to-day basis, understanding those elements brings you so much more credibility with your hiring managers and your candidates because they feel that you have an idea of what their actual skills are and you understand it and you're going to represent them well to the hiring manager. Was there anything in these top 10 skills that really jumped at you? So do you know what it reminded me of was the robot proof recruiter. A lot of these things don't really change and I wouldn't call them new in 2024. Will you need them? Yes. But I think there's only one that stood out to me that I've not seen emphasized so much in previous years and something called cultural intelligence. Mm -hmm. That was a new one for me. And boy, does it make sense because recruiters, we need to be the first ones to admit that as humans, we are biased. But if you have cultural intelligence and understand and respect what are cultural norms, 
to attract and retain talent from various backgrounds. There's so many nuances about different cultures. And I think as talent acquisition, we should be always curious to understand how different cultures do business. What is the norm in their culture? And it it can vary even between Canada and the US. I'm constantly amazed at how many people think that we're just the same. We're not. We're not. There are many cultural norms in Canada that make us unique. And so that was really the only one. Otherwise, I think everything's been said before. Yes. And one that we are weak at in HR talent acquisition, we've improved, but it's still a a major challenge for us is data analysis and interpretation. We still don't do a great job of really going back and looking at the data and seeing where candidates are falling off. Is there a particular part in their process Mm -hmm. that's not working? Really understanding where candidates are coming from, what sources they're coming from, and leveraging those still a major challenge. I agree that we need to keep sharpening our skills, but a lot of these skills we've been talking about for a long time, and they're not going to change. When we talk about this next year in 2025, I bet you the list of the top 10, there'll be eight or nine that will be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. On that note, Shelly, I do want to call out one event that's coming up. So the Canadian Recruiter Networking Group event in Calgary, November 30th. Excited to be there. Excited to see everyone in this community. So looking forward to it. I think he sold out. So if you didn't buy a ticket, get on the wait list because it's going to be lots of fun. Do you have anything else, Shelly? That's everything from my side of the screen. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Au revoir. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, This is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.